Hello and welcome to the Terminal Velocity Comic Book Podcast, issue number 42. I'm one of your hosts, Andrew. And I'm Scott. And each and every week, uh, we get together to tackle a comic book storyline from the past or present, sometimes future, but uh, we share our thoughts, opinions, and we do a quick kind of review of the book. Uh, We'll also take a look at new releases for this week, uh, which is pretty slim, um, and provide a pick of the week. I say that facetiously. You'll know why later. Uh, this week, our main uh, topic of discussion is going to be a book that's probably been talked about to death, but uh, you know, we we wanted to talk about this one because it it's I think it's got classic status at this point. Yeah. Uh, and that would be Batman: The Killing Joke by Alan Moore and Brian Boland. This is one of those books that, if you're a comic book fan, you have probably read to death um and maybe even had i would say the misfortune of watching uh not having seen that myself i've heard a lot of you know (laughs) interesting things about how the first half of the movie goes um but uh you've probably definitely read this as a definitive uh batman book and and one of probably the best joker stories so not to spoil that too much before we get into the conversation but that's probably where it's ringing true, and it's the classic uh, Joker holding up a, a camera, taking a picture um, that uh, you've probably seen if you've ever entered Joker into Google or anything like that. Yeah. Well, and that is it has some seriously dark connotations when you get to the plot of the story. Yeah. Um, so this book was first published in 1988, and it was intended as kind of a one-shot out of continuity story that was so well received uh i have to assume uh it then was brought into continuity um specifically some events that happened in this became directly um in in canon Mm -hmm. um now it it's a i was alive but it's a little before my time uh for a book like this so i'm not sure how certain characters were prior to this releasing and, and if they had already been sidelined or, or, or whatnot, but uh, yeah. Um, I guess we should just kind of, I guess, start with kind of a brief synopsis. It's not a very long story. Yeah. Uh, this particular issue is kind of a loose adaptation of the story, the man behind the red hood. And uh, basically uh, as I believe Scott just said, uh, this is kind of the, origin of the joker as pre, uh, that's been presented um mm-hmm. at least a possible origin yeah. of the joker we don't I mean, know for sure but this is <laughs> one of them that that has kind of gone around we we may know more once three jokers releases uh later this year yeah we'll see oh <laughs> you, every time i'm reminded of that i just have i just have so many worries about what that story is going to be i don't I don't know that we need, you know, uh, I just have so many problems. <laughs> <laughs> I can see. I, I can't even, there are no words for the problems that I'm having with, with that concept. <laughs> I think, I think I'm, I'm hopeful for it. I think the talent behind it's got, uh, gives it a chance. I agreed. There's there's always the possibility that something great will come out of it. Um, I'm just more trying to wonder, is it actually three Jokers? Is it three personalities of the one Joker? Is it three, um, just three stories of the Joker and, and kind of his varying levels of insanity? Well, one uh, thing I can say for sure is that we'll probably discuss that on Terminal Velocity Limited uh, sometime in the future. Yes, guaranteed. Um, but for now, this is where we're going to talk about the the possible origin of the Joker, mm. uh, as as conceived by Alan Moore back in the 19, late 80s. Yeah, 1988, um, and it won mm-hmm. this won the Eisner Award in 1989. And as we all know, 1989 is also the year that Batman um, was released. So I can say from my beginnings that I read this probably when I was uh, nine or ten years old. Um, <laughs> as as the book came out so this is kind of one of those ones that stuck with me ever since i was a kid i know i've mentioned that um with something like um craven's last hunt 
um, the death in the family kind of stuff. This was all around that same time for me that I would have been reading. So this is all, this is all very much, you know, Scott is a kid reading these books. And, um, so there's, there's a lot of nostalgia and a lot of great memories associated with this book as dark and crazy as it is. This is, uh, this holds, a, this holds a, a lot of, of, uh, sentimental value for me. So I'm, I was really looking forward to this. Well, with this particular book for me, uh, I definitely read it out of uh, out of context and, and chronological order because this, I was well aware of the uh, the lasting implications from this book because uh, I was following Batman for a good chunk of my life. But in terms of being a hardcore collector, it was probably the late '90s to uh, you know current, <laughs> and uh, so I knew I knew what what some things that had happened in this book had led to. Um, so me coming to this was other fans and friends telling me you've got to read this. And so I read this as an adult uh, and I'll be honest, it, it, I thought it was good. I didn't like think it, it didn't like blow my mind uh, as an adult uh, having already known the consequences of it, but having come back to it again, another, I guess another 10 or so years later. And I, I do appreciate uh what was being done here. Mm-hmm. If not, some things that were kind of dated, uh, I don't think would happen nowadays, even in, even if you see black label, uh, imprint. Uh, I'll be curious to hear what you mean by that. Like what, what things are you referring to? Do you want to give the synopsis and then we can get into that? Yeah, kind of yeah, we could, we could do that. Okay. Cause it's a fairly simple story. Um, it really, what it boils down to, I'll give, I'll give like a quick, you know, like lunar type of view of the earth <laughs> perspective on the story. It's really the Joker um, has escaped from Arkham. And I will say the intro is pretty awesome. It, and it definitely inspired things like Arkham yes. Asylum, the video game and uh, many other uh, uh, adaptations. But basically Batman's rushing over to Arkham because he's, he's kind of had a crisis of conscience in a sense where he's thinking about how, the the war between him and the Joker is going on and on, and it's he's come to the conclusion that it's one day going to lead to either one of them being killed by the other. Mm-hmm. It's it's like really the only way it's kind of gonna go. Yeah. And so he's to almost like clear his own conscience. He's like, I have to at least say I tried to reason with him once. And so he shows up to Arkham. Uh, I like how he just walks in, says nothing. It's just all like silent panels. <laughs> the cops are there. They're just like, oh, okay, let's uh, we'll follow uh, at a distance. Yeah, everybody's afraid of him. And so Batman just walks past uh, even the reception. I like the little sign on the desk. I actually want to print this panel off, but it's like, you don't have to be crazy to work here, but it helps. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of us can relate to that. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yes. <laughs> So he passes, uh, uh, you know, you see a co- the rogues gallery and you kind of see like, a, I guess, Two-Face in the 80s, um, mm-hmm. just in a cell holding the bars, looking out for reasons. But uh, Batman walks up to name unknown cell 0801 and there's a guard standing outside and he's just like salutes Batman and just opens the door. <laughs> so it's uh, quite the uh, chain of command here at Arkham Asylum. Yeah, well, he has he has Commissioner Gordon with him, so I took it more as him saluting the commissioner and and doing what the commissioner is asking him to do. Maybe, but they they definitely don't show the commissioner in panel, so and it looks like it's yeah. directed at Batman. Um, but either way, he's granted access, and we get kind of a very shaded negative space kind of uh, scene of the Joker just kind of in darkness, except for the spotlight above his head, and he's sitting at a table. Uh, dealing out cards to himself and Batman begins to explain why he's there and Joker says nothing and so Batman reaches out to his hand only to see that white marks are uh, have shown up on his gloves uh, which is then revealed to be some uh, makeup and this is when Batman realizes that Joker has escaped he's kind of got a stooge here just sitting in the cell pretending to be the Joker. Well, I guess he gets away and this, uh, enrages Batman. And I swear this might be the inspiration for the, the fight 
scene in the interrogation scene in Dark Knight when Batman's just pummeling the crap out of the joke. Very much so, yeah. That, that's the vibe I got. And the commissioner's like, oh, he's going berserk. we got to get in there and deal with this. Um, and so we cut away from that uh, to see that the Joker has indeed escaped. And he uh, seems to be inquiring about property, which is like an old dilapidated uh, carnival. And uh, as he's dealing with that, we get our, our first flashback to the so-called possible origin of the Joker. Um, do you want to take it from here? Uh, sure. So we, we've got the flashback, and this is where it starts off with probably what we're going to get some hints of in the upcoming Joker movie that's coming mm-hmm. out, where he's a bit of a failed comic um, with a pregnant wife, and he kind of has a big breakdown about you know, how is he going to be able to support his family? He can barely support himself. How is he going to bring a new child into this world? He's useless uh, and all of these kind of things. And he gets involved with the Red Hood gang um, who are going to be coming in to kind of, because he used to work at the, I think it was at the chemical factory. Yeah. And he, he knows his way through the chemical factory, which leads to some playing card or something or other other factory and he can he can usher these people through without being detected so that they can pull off a big heist um i thought it was a neat little take that this guy like (laughs) it's kind of a jaded look at at uh at art being an artist and i wonder if that was alan Moore talking like about his own insecurities when he's talking about the like this origin because it's like he has this like well-paying job career as an engineer which even today is looked at as a kind of a prestigious position and you know requires a lot of school and 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 know-how and he leaves it because he wants to be an artist by being a a stand-up comic (laughs) and it blows up in his face yeah um it's a nice little take where he's he's belly aching to his wife about everything and she's like well at least you're good in the sack and you make me laugh i'm like this is like almost like a part where like it's it's like is this really a real memory like you you can't even really tell yeah this is your first hint of okay just if this is really the joker story it kind of brings into question well is he really that crazy because he's he actually in the rest of this book he's fairly lucid um (laughs) but his his plan is insane his plan is crazy Yes. Um, but it's methodical and premeditated. So I don't know that it's it, it's crazy in the sense of what he tries to accomplish. So um, this then ends the flashback and he's he's back at the dilapidated place and he's telling basically the guy that he's met there that he already owns the property, but he appreciates him coming by and having this little chat with him. And he jabs him with um, some of his Joker poison and leaves the guy on a little rocking elephant Um to die with the, with the big with the gigantic ghastly, smile. ghastly grin on his face yeah no yeah. that's some that's some disturbing artwork but it's a brilliant this takes us into i mean boland's artwork in all of this is absolutely stellar stellar um we've got batman back in the bat cave and he's searching up all of the information that he has on the joker so that he can try and figure out where he is at um and this is where you've got like every every screen in the Batcave is just littered with the Joker's gigantic smile and creepy face. And we've got. Can I point co- out that they show like little picture frame as like a nod to the Golden Age or well, Silver was, Age of Batman? I was just about to say that they've got the <laughs> classic Joker uh, view in one of the screens, uh, and then obviously the more modern interpretations, uh, modern for the time, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is where Alfred and uh, Batman kind of have a conversation about, you know, he doesn't really know him as well as he should. Um, there's no telling what he'll get up to. All they know is that it's going to be bad. And this is this is when we flip the page and we get uh, Jim Gordon, uh, who apparently I didn't realize this um, is a scrapbooker. So yeah. he likes to keep little scrapbooks of different uh, cases that he's been working on with the Batman. So he's got his little scrapbook working and he's over having some hot cocoa with Barbara and uh, they hear a knock at the door and Barbara thinks it's going to be her. Can I stop you right there for one second? Sure. I love that he's already like a senior citizen here, but in (laughs) new 52 where they kind of accept this as being in Canon, he's like, (laughs) he's still got his red hair. He's still like middle age maybe. Yeah. But at this point in 1988, he's already like an old man. 
I didn't I didn't think about that, but you're right. <laughs> I just find it funny. They play fast and loose with the whole thing. Well, I mean, if you go back to the Batcave, there's the picture frame of Batman with Bat, the original Batwoman, the original yes. Batgirl, Alfred and Commissioner Gordon and Batmite. Yeah. And Ace the Bat Dog all hanging out with the Bob Kane signature on it. <laughs> yeah. I love it. It's this has got so many little Easter eggs and nods to everything. And again, this was written as an Elseworlds type of idea. This was an out of continuity story. So they were able to do all of these little nods to everything. Um, it makes later. me think of, of Batman the last night, last night on earth. Like it's kind of like it, it uses established continuity, but it's yes. being told as like a branching point. Exactly. But I guess the branch kind of swung back into a vine and came back in, <laughs> and comes right back in. And that brings us right back to the where we are at in the story where there's a knock at the door. Barbara Gordon goes to answer it and it's Joker in this creepy Hawaiian shirt with his big pale face and a gigantic grin holding a gun. And he shoots her straight through the abdomen um, and then talks about her as a librarian and makes a joke about how her spine doesn't quite look right. So he doesn't think he's going to read this book. And the thugs that have come in beat the hell out of Jim Gordon. And I think this is the part where you were talking about um, where we get into something that even the black label might hold back from um where the joker has a sip of his drink gets his camera out and starts to undress barbara gordon as she's laying there bleeding um from her gunshot wound yeah so not i'm not even not even just that part of it but even the 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 brutal uh assault and and paralyzing of, of barbara gordon i don't think that they would do it now i mean dc tried to do like a a Batgirl issue where it had a cover of Bat Joker drawing a, a smile on Barbara Gordon's face, and it was like almost like an, a a callback to the Killing Joke, and it's, they scrapped the cover. Like it had so much backlash from the audience right. before publication. It, it's hard. Like I I could see why this would be upsetting, and 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 it is upsetting what what happens here. But at the same time, it's part of the drama. And yeah, so there's a plot. See, there, I someone might look at this and think it's gratuitous or or it's you know it's just misogynistic violence against women, but it it's like violence kind of to uh, better the the male hero. But when you look at the actual plot here, because Joker's plan is to take Jim Gordon, who's all about law and order and about basically mm-hmm. the picture, the sanity, and he's trying to give. Jim Gordon, the, just like him, or at least as he's perceiving his background, one bad day uh, can drive a man insane. Much and, like uh, in the in the the Dark Knight movie, all it takes is one one bad occurrence to push somebody over the edge, mm-hmm. and away they'll go. And that's what, uh, yeah, as you say, there that's you what go. Joker's. You just pointed out another thing that this book <laughs> inspired. Yeah, inspired the the turn of Two Face in Dark Knight. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it, it, it's it's brutal. Um, it's it's hard to imagine something like this happening to uh, a character that you know was kind of beloved. It's it's Batgirl, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even though I do believe she was retired from being Batgirl at the time, um, but then it's not bad enough that she's just shot. But then this is where uh, a lot of people have debated what actually happens here in this. This um, this uh, series of panels because they don't so, actually show you what happens next. No, and I mean there was a couple of years ago some original panels came out uh, for a later scene where where the the photographs are depicted and it was mm-hmm. it got kiboshed before printing but it's you know you're seeing like the the topless wounded Barbara uh, in some of the shots whereas they kind of censored it uh, not by much really they just took yeah her, I was gonna say not a lot out of it, basically. Um, but I mean, you're talking about the writer of Watchmen and, and such a, I think you have to think of the context of the time that this was written in as well. Mm-hmm. There's a very jaded, uh, dark view of the world. And I, there, there's a debate that whether or not Barbara Gordon was raped, uh, by the Joker, uh, in this particular scene, I'm in the camp that actually doesn't think it went so far as, as, um, you know, 
rape in the the sense of uh, intercourse, like uh, uh, you know, inv- involuntary against the against her. I think mm-hmm. she's definitely sexually violated by by being de- um, disrobed, and I I think that is all he really did was to take the photos to demean her in such a way to 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 traumatize Gordon. Yeah, um, I agree. I don't think I don't think he took that extra step. I don't think it would be within his plans for what now, he was after, and it doesn't. Other- other people kind of draw conclusions based on other depictions of the Joker. There's uh, Brian Azzarello's take on Joker where he, he does, in fact, rape one of his henchmen's wife, which I was like, yeah, that's a book I'm not going to read. Um, I, d- I struggle with it because it's one of those things where, the, uh, like, as a kid who would have been reading things about the Joker up to this point, you always get the hint that he's a terrible, evil person. Mm-hmm. This book really shows you that he's a terrible, evil person, but he's not—he's not a predator in that way. I've um, never—I've never felt that he fit the profile of of a sexual criminal. Mm-hmm. Now, I, maybe I'm wrong, uh, and and it's uncomfortable territory to really talk, uh, get into. But uh, was it necessary for the story? I, I think there's an equal ar- argument on uh, either way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I think he was going more was going for maximum impact in a short, very short period of time. Yeah. Um, but then one can look at a positive where this particular event led to I think one of DC's greatest access, uh, sorry, accessible heroes when they converted her into the Oracle, which. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot would argue they should never have undone uh, when they launched the new 52. Yeah. Uh, because it showed Barbara Gordon overcome uh, adversity and and her disability. Um, so yeah, uh, I don't want to linger too much further on this, but it's it's a critical point uh, yeah. in in this book, and I'm I, I'm not convinced that DC Black Label would go to this territory. I mean, look how they flip how people lost their minds over Bat Dong. Yeah, this is a little bit different than Bat Dong, um, but at yeah, the same like, time, I, I, I can think see... this would be something a little more to be upset about than Bat Dong. Yeah, <laughs> and I don't know what it, I don't know whether this was what how it was received at the time, um, like this these specific panels that we would be seeing, how those things were received. I know the overall story was very well regarded, um, but I don't know if there was if there was a lot of outcry about how brutalized barbara gordon was yeah That's i mean it might have it might have been after the fact i i, I can't mm-hmm. really say how that was received uh i know that this probably would not be received positively now and, and some would frown upon this even right now yeah probably it's probably it, it kind of falls in the camp of fridging um that's uh, oh it's very much the the male hero needs to overcome this and and do something about it um it's the typical it is a typical victimized depiction of women and everything and it's um it's unfortunate but that's it is very much a story of the time that did that much more heavy-handedly as we can see here yeah well i would say i'm glad i didn't read this as a kid So I, I'm actually a fan of Batgirl, so it's been pretty pretty traumatic to see that. Yeah, it, um, uh, it's shocking. I can tell you that for sure. When you're a kid and you're reading it, it definitely gives you a whole different perspective on the Joker. Well, I think this kind of takes the Joker to the next a next level of sadism. Uh, yeah, I don't think that he was being depicted like this uh, to this degree in in comics, at least not on panel, anyways. No, he wa- he definitely uh, wasn't. And uh, in this part, like they really, Bolin really captures like just how despicable and evil is because his face is like in shadow yeah. for the most part. Like you just see the steely grin and and two white dots for his for his eyes. Like it's 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 brutal. Yes, it's it's a it, it's something to see. Um, so this leads us straight into a continuation of the flat, uh, flashback where he's actually introduced to the hood that he's going to be wearing the actual red hood. Um, mm-hmm. and it's at this point that some police show up in the bar. Um, oh, 
actually I'm jumping ahead a little bit. The the gangsters are just showing him that he's going to be wearing the hood and you're introduced to the same concept that there is no one red hood. It's just mm-hmm. a bunch of people wearing the hood um, for whatever needs are required. Or in the new 52, lots of people at one time. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that's okay. It was a storyline that I'm happy to kind of forget about. Uh, so then we're, we're actually introduced, we're brought back over to somebody, they found, uh, Barbara Gordon and, uh, Hey Scott, sorry. Could I take a step back? Sure. One thing with this flashback scene, they keep depicting and may forgive me. I feel like it's going over my head. Um, but everything's in, in shade except for the color, the red color. Yep. But specifically in all, in multiple panels, it's showing the two gangsters that are, um, convince or basically convincing the unnamed uh comedian uh they're like taking live shrimp and like like basically torturing them ripping their legs off and it's it's depicting this quite a bit that i feel like it's some sort of symbolism but i'm I'm not quite sure i'm getting it like is it just to show how they're really going to just stab him in the back kind of betray him is it just to show that they could care less about life like I, I just wondered what the symbolism was because it's very highlighted. Yeah, I'm not really sure what the symbolism was per se. I didn't think that they were actually alive. Um, I took it as just a, a bowl of, of shrimp that they have that they're just slowly pulling the legs off of and kind of shelling themselves. I've never seen shrimp served that way. <laughs> so. Yeah, it, and I hadn't either, but it was just the whole... I just took it as the symbolism of the red from the red hood. Um, anything that's red sticks out in his memory as something that was, um, you know, that just took him further down the, the path. Because they I, do I they shove some that, of it into his like, mouth and everything, but I don't know if there's any deeper meaning to the shrimp. It's just, there's so many, like, zoom-in panels of them snapping the legs. So mm-hmm. I just wondered, like, if there was something to it. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, you, uh, sorry to... That's okay. There. So then it, we've got Bullock and Batman in the in the hospital uh, with Barbara Gordon as the doctor's kind of testing her legs to see if she's got any movement. And it's kind of um, brought up at that time that she's never going to walk again, that she'll be in a chair. And this is when Batman crushes a, a Joker playing card in his hands and is left by Bullock just to kind of talk to Barbara on his own. And this is when Barbara like breaks down and cries and they share a moment and she kind of alludes to what the plan is um, about what he, you know, what his plan, his ultimate plan is just to, to brutalize her dad and to, to make him go insane. Um, and I'm sorry, I got caught off because I just looked at the, the next page where we've got creepy little demon, little people with like, <laughs> Yeah, they're like his little his little angels, but they're like little uh, little yeah. people, but with demented, drugged out eyes and horrific teeth, shaved heads, except for a little ponytail. Yeah, little ponytails, and a couple and of them have wings, and they're in some, kind like of S and M gear. Yeah, and they 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 strip down Jim Gordon uh, completely naked, put a collar on him, and kind of drag him through the dilapidated amusement park to now, the would, ever, would everyone have been up, upset about the Gordong that's <laughs> hanging out there? <laughs> Probably. Um, and this is when we still see the, the guy on his little elephant with his gigantic uh, grin dead, <laughs> uh, just sitting there and Gordon's brought in front of, in front of all the other circus quote unquote freaks um, made to kneel in front of where the Joker is on top of a pile of baby dolls sitting in his throne with some burning doll heads um, next to him. And yeah. this, and he has the whole conversation. And this is where he's he starts the torture of Jim Gordon, throwing him onto a, um, a, a horror ride to have him go through the, this carnival of horrors. And uh, this continues on through the rest of the, the flashback where some police have shown up now to the same bar that these criminals were at. And take the Joker aside, because we don't, we never really find out his name in this either. But take the Joker aside and let him know basically that his wife is dead. Um, 
that there was a freak accident and his wife and baby are both dead. So this is the starting of his very, very yeah. Bad. It, it, it's it's very dark and matter of fact. It's like so the reason only reason he was getting involved with these gangsters was that he was looking for a, a big payday to kind of provide for his expected child and his wife, and then you know she was testing a baby bottle heater and an electrical short killed her. Yeah. Um, which is bizarre in itself, but maybe that was a a thing in the eighties. <laughs> Or the 50s. We don't really like that's what the the time looks like. <clears throat> that's true. I mean, like it, well, it's, it, Batman's always kind of taken that aesthetic, though. Yeah. So it's a weird it's a weird time. Um, yeah, like you say, it's kind of like much like the animated series. It was kind of a blending of modern and, and uh, kind of 50s, 30s, 50s type of aesthetic to it. So he, he gets the bad news about everybody dying, and, and he's basically telling the guys, okay, I don't need to do the job anymore because I've got no reason to. And they tell him, no, like it or not, you're doing this. That it's far too late, and we will see you. Or, you know, you'll be you'll be doing this one way or another, basically. Now, can I point out that all the people he kind of interacts with in, in this so-called flashbacks all kind of have Joker-esque grins on their faces? Yes. Yes. So the gangsters he's dealing with, people in the background, like it's like he he's recalling it like pretty much like everyone's evil and vile except him mm-hmm. until that bad day. Yeah. Um. And do you want to take over from here? Yeah, sure. This is, I mean, so the next part is you know Gordon's on the the roller coaster of horrors and uh, Joker's kind of I it's kind of like he's singing a, a song about. Oh, truthfully, I don't even know what he's really talking about. He's just kind of talking crazy. Um, but then he then broadcasts, which I guess he has printed and blown up the photos that he took of, of the 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 um, brutalized Barbara Gordon mm-hmm. in uh, all kinds of positions and 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 horror. Um, yeah, wow, pretty dark. Yeah, they actually there is nudity in this too. Wow. Yep. I don't know. I just, I guess I glazed over that. Um, so he's basically saying like, you know what? You're no better than me. Like you can just take, have the one bad day like, is what he's basically mm-hmm. saying here. And you can, you can end up like me. Um, so we cut away to like Batman basically tearing up the town, hunting for the Joker. And you get like a little cameo from like the penguin and various things are going on. You have Batman, uh, getting summoned by the police by the bat signal after all that, uh, where they've actually received an invitation uh, from the Joker for Batman, so he's basically luring Batman to the the carnival. Mm-hmm. Um, Which I would have assumed the greatest detective would have already been looking at uh, dilapidated carnivals around. <laughs> well, apparently he didn't know enough about the Joker yet at this time. <laughs> uh, so the one place Batman didn't look for the Joker <laughs> is where he's off to go look, and. Uh, Gordon's looking a little worse for wear coming out of the uh, off the mm-hmm. ride, and Joker's kind of convinced that he's succeeding here. Um, and just as uh, we're gonna get kind of see what happened, we flash back again to the, the the heist, I guess you could say. And so the gangsters put on the red hood, and it's portrayed as this kind of very isolated, claustrophobic helmet with like two little red lenses for eyes. Mm-hmm. Um. So you can't really see what you're doing, and he's kind of like made to look like a leader supervillain kind of thing. It's like literally a guy in a tuxedo, and then this giant like red. It's like one half of like one of those capsule like antibiotic capsules. It's all red, mm-hmm. wearing a cape, and surprised their security on site, which uh, I guess they did. The the comedian never. Re- uh, <laughs> didn't realize like said they didn't have it uh prior to uh when he was sorry during his time that he was there so that a shootout ensues and some of the gangsters get killed and the red hood as, as he's being portrayed here is trying to flee and it shows almost like a demon looking batman shows up like the way his horn is the, mm-hmm. the ears are portrayed is more like demon horns and if you look at this shot of Batman jumping uh, over the security guards, he kind of looks like a demon. Yeah. 
and uh, as he, he and you just see the two red eyes as he's seeing this demonic Batman coming towards him. So he jumps over the railing and into what he thought was water, but uh, or it is water, but I guess it had uh, chemical chemical residue, um, <clears throat> which uh, this we get the iconic scene. I think this is what I think sells the book to a lot of people. In all honesty, mm-hmm. uh, he he takes the hood off and he's in silhouette for a good chunk of it, but you just see him starting to kind of lose his mind. He feels the burning, itching sensation. And then he just starts breaking down into hysterical laughter. And this is where we see kind of the first color other than red in, in, in these uh, flashbacks where his hair is now green. And we get a shot of that classic Joker going insane uh, with his hands running through his hair as he laughs hysterically. Uh, very iconic shot of the Joker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this, um, is, this is probably, like you say, this will be, if you start looking up the killing joke, this will be the second or possibly the first picture that you end up seeing. Yes, and if you're watching the show, you've seen it. Yep. It's our cover. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, we cut back to current time and uh, all the carnival freaks are uh, are all just kind of dancing around Gordon mocking him. And the Joker is basically, um, yeah, like he's just convinced that he's he's going to succeed here. Yeah, he's quite proud of himself that he's done what he set out to do. That because Gordon's gone kind of quiet and he's like kind of cowering inside the the the, the cage that he's in. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we see the glow of the headlights of the Batmobile racing in, and Batman pops out. And I like how Batman's being portrayed just all like darkness and. You're not seeing his face. You just see the glow of his eyes. Yeah. And. uh, I I love the stare down that they have. Yeah. Joker just stands there at the end of (laughs) at the end of the Batmobile, just staring at Batman with a huge smile on his face. And Batman just grimaces and then dives at him. And they a little fight ensues and the Joker pulls out a little acid spray thing to like spray him in the arm for some reason. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I would have gone for the face if I was <laughs> Joker, but he irritatingly wounds Batman, who has an antidote or a counteract for the acid uh, in a test tube handily in his in his uh, utility belt, and off the Joker runs into the funhouse. But uh, Batman stops for a moment to to release Jim from the cage, and uh, he thinks. Is it is it just me? Is it, is he basically like encouraging Gordon to like cry because he's he thinks he's about to cry? Yeah, he he basically he's like consoling he's just, him, right? He's consoling him and just trying to get him to talk. So he's saying, just let it out, just let it go, let it all come. And Gordon at this point kind of just tells him he showed hey, like Gordon resolve. Gordon's never back down, man. Yeah, Gordon's a much tougher cookie to break than even the Joker can assume, <laughs> and he's, he's like. like he showed me photographs. He tried to drive me bat, uh, mad, but it didn't work. And he's like, no, I want you to go after him, and it has to be by the book. We need to show him that our way works. Mm-hmm. And so Batman, you know, good to his word, is like, all right. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'll do my so, best. <laughs> so Batman proceeds into the the, where, the fun house of horrors and, you know, dodges the various booby traps that Joker has lying in wait. Very classic Batman fare. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Joker is uh, he's fleeing and I, I forget what he's talking about during this these scenes but he's he's monologuing yeah. <laughs> is basically what he's doing it's a basic super villain 101 <laughs> exactly letting him know exactly everything he's been up to at this point and uh, everything that's on the go just monologuing enough for the hero to actually be able to bust through and then he's confused why batman's not laughing at the mm-hmm. joke <laughs> so then batman gets him and he's like it's because i heard it before and it wasn't funny the first time he throws him through the glass mirror kicks away his weapon uh bad joker kind of pulls down the cowl which uh, what kind of costume design is that that it's so loose yeah I, this is one of those things that i like <laughs> As a kid, I thought it was ridiculous, and I couldn't tell. Like, so he jabs him in the eyes and then pulls the cowl down, and then the cowl is all. One of the things that I like about it, though, is that as he's like trying to adjust the cowl and get it back on his face properly, the Joker's like slamming him with like a two, two by fours that breaks over his head. Yeah, 
Uh, then he pops a knife and he's uh, he's about to stab Batman, who you think is not aware, but Batman with one hand stops stops him with the knife midair and and gut punches him and clocks him in the face, which sends him flying out and onto the ground. And the Joker pulls out a gun and it's the click 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 prop gun, I guess that he had. Uh, it's out of bullets. And so you get this really strange. <laughs> it's a very strange ending. Mm-hmm. but this basically is, this Joker, ending has a lot of debate too yeah um so we'll talk about that as we get get to that part but basically batman is saying look we don't this doesn't have to be a battle to the death like we don't i can help you i hope you re- rehabilitate you and the joker is just like no he's like it's it's too it's far too late for that like he just it's almost like he's like, no, I'm really just too far gone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then he tells a joke that I actually thought was funny. I but laughed not, at it. But uh, <laughs> my wife didn't think it was funny. She's like, <laughs> I get what he's saying, but I'm like, yeah, I know. No, I think I think it's genuinely a funny joke. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it. I don't know. Should we read it? Uh, yeah, sure. Why not? Okay, you can, you can read it. Okay, so... Um, See, there's two guys in a lunatic asylum. And one night, one night they decide they don't like living in an asylum anymore. They decide they're going to escape. So, like, they get up on the roof, and there, just across this narrow gap, they see the rooftops of the town stretching away in the moonlight, stretching away to freedom. Now, the first guy, he jumps right across with no problem. But his friend, his friend daren't make the leap, you see. He's afraid of falling. So then the first guy has an idea. Says, hey... I have my flashlight with me. I'll shine it across the gap between the buildings and you can walk along the beam and join me. But the second guy just shakes his head and he says, he says, what do you think? I'm crazy. You turn it off uh, when I was halfway across. (laughs) So the Joker bursts out into laughter and even Batman in in his grim uh, posture, stare, he can't, uh, he can't even hold back. He starts laughing as well. Um, mm-hmm. And it just this is where we get into the debate where it's showing them increasingly in the silhouette of the two of them laughing. And Batman's got his hands on, I see it on his arm because uh, you can, can see his fi- the silhouette of his fingers. And then the laughter just kind of stops. Mm-hmm. And the si- so there's a, the siren is still coming. You've got the siren coming from the police showing up or the ambulances and whatnot. And the laughter just slowly dies away. See, I don't see... So the, the debate is that, oh, did Batman just kill the Joker here? Mm-hmm. I don't see it that way. No, I never I, took it I think way. it's just they are brought back to reality. Like, the co- like it's the end mm-hmm. of this caper. It's like, yep. He's going to jail. Yep. <laughs> and the cycle That's... starts... It's like it just starts the way it began, you know what I mean? Yep. Um... I don't think it's like you don't see like a or like a snap or a crack sound effect. Like I, I don't see it. And like I said, I don't see it like he's got his hands around his neck. He's, he's holding his shoulder because they're laughing like. Mm-hmm. And again, it's like. <laughs> such a dark story to end on, on a joke. The perfect way to end a Joker story. <laughs> really? Yeah, this was this was a this was an absolutely fantastic story i mean it it shows you just the the evil depravity that the joker is capable of um without i think crossing that particular line too heavily um as i've already said i don't think he would actually end up um raping anyone but he would he's definitely used the assault to try and within his own plans but like i say this was also very premeditated this was extremely methodical and the Joker plans all of these things out and he may be this agent of chaos in these new stories and everything like that. But this is, I have a hard time seeing him as insane when he had a plan like this and he executed it to a T. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't, it doesn't strike you as, as somebody that's insane when he's able to do all of these things. Which is what I've always found the most troubling about the Joker is, is he really insane or is he just a sociopath yeah, a psychopath he, like 
I always see the Joker not as insane. I think he is. I think he's been depicted as insane in some interpretations. Uh, I I think he's just a psychopath. Mm-hmm. And and you never know what he's going to do next. That's the other thing. I do I do agree with that. You never really know what he's going to do when he's in other places. But if you're following, if if he's left you a clue, you're in some serious trouble because he's planned everything out. Yes. Um, yeah, he, it's, it's just a, a dark take on the Joker. And the thing that's scary the most about the Joker is he's never the same every story. Uh, yeah. he, his personality reinvents itself each time, which is what kind of, uh, makes you question what he's perceiving as his, as his history. Mm-hmm. There's no verified origin, even in, in canon. They're like, yeah, we don't know. <laughs> Yeah, and it's one of the small details that I love. You read the entire book, and then somebody's like, you know, they never even said his name. And it's at that point that you go back and you go, like, oh, holy shit, they, did, they didn't. You never get a hint of what his last name was or, or anything. He's just a guy. Arthur Fleck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess we'll find out that part of the story when the movie Jack comes. Napier. <laughs> yeah. So. So and yeah. we've already said like the art on this is just Brian Boland draws I think one of the definitive Batmans. Um, his Joker is by far one of the creepiest looking Jokers I think anybody has ever drawn. Absolutely, I think if anything, his is a definitive Joker. Yes, I would say so. At least for this era, um, maybe not so much now. He's kind of evolved quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I honestly don't think there's any much, any more I could add to the debate or discussion on this book. Um, but I did want to read it again. I wanted to kind of appreciate what it, what it offers and the impact that it has had on Batman. Um, some debate whether it really has the impact that it, that it did. Um, I, I think that it's very clearly had quite a lot of impact on, on just, it, it became a canon story when it wasn't even intended to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, because of how well it was received. Um, aside from the stuff in, in there that's kind of questionable, uh, it wasn't done, I don't think, in the spirit of gratuity. It was it was done as a plot, like it did drive the plot forward. Uh, and I, I don't want to be in a society where our literature can't portray horrible things because mm-hmm. in reality, horrible things happen all the time. This is dark and gritty, and I say that facetiously, uh, done right. Yeah, I would agree with that. This isn't, it's, it does, it's not shock value for the sake of shock value. This had, this had um, extreme violence and extreme trauma for uh, that actually fits the story of what they were trying to do and the methods that a, a character like this would go to this sociopathic psychopath what they would go to in order to try and drag somebody into the mud with them um but it's not it's not like something that we've had in some of the other stories like um uh forever evil or whatever it was where it was just kind of violence for the sake of violence and um you know, just just gratuitous, really. Um, this is, yeah, I, I I can't I can't really get into it too much because, like I say, I read this when I was a lot younger, and it's one of those ones that stuck with me as kind of a definitive story that um, I, I think had any of it been um, kind of censored in any way, it would have taken a lot more away from the story. I think it it it. It's done to in the extreme because of the short number of pages it has to tell the story. It gets across the the exact like it, it drives its point very quickly uh, mm-hmm. in as very few panels as possible, uh, and and it's also done in a in a believable fashion. Um, doesn't mean it's easy to 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 swallow, but it it's, no. it's dark. Yeah, when that page comes up, and I think the first time you're reading it and it happens, you are kind of taken aback, and you're just like, oh, oh, holy shit. Oh, my God, what is he doing? 
and you really get you you really get that that feeling of why everybody um depicts the joker as like everyone is afraid of the joker yeah and it's it's kind of things like this that really show you why everyone's afraid of him well you know like how there's a debate as to what was done and how far he went i think that says more about society than it does about the actual book it's yeah it's what people are bringing to their interpretation of of, of the events that we see mm-hmm. yeah i would agree so um so uh, i think our talk is good there how would you rate this particular book oh this is this is this is a, a five bat signal out of five bat signals this is like the this is a definitive batman story there isn't a single batman or comic book reader out there that shouldn't read or own this book I would agree. Uh, mine, I would give it a five Joker calling cards out of five. Yeah, 100%. This is, for everything that it is, this is a fantastic, fantastic book. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So we're going to move along uh, to the next part of our show. Uh, this is the uh, pick of the week. And this is where we, uh, Scott and I, will discuss uh, the latest releases, uh, very briefly, what the ones that we check out, and uh, some of which will be featured in our Terminal Velocity Limited show, mm-hmm. which uh, for this week was Superman Year One, uh, and uh, yeah, definitely check out that episode either on our, our podcast feed or on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, give you a very detailed look at our thoughts on that one um (laughs) it's one episode back in our in our uh podcast feed so definitely go check that one out and jump on over to check out the video that was put together for it so i'm gonna i'll I'll start out because mine is uh i'm declaring a stalemate for myself i can't uh (laughs) i'm not sure i don't think i've ever done that on this show but uh this week there's very few titles that came out that that really appealed to me I'm not saying things were bad but it just I, I couldn't really i couldn't in good conscience say to you this was my pick of the week uh so go go check it out i just didn't have that uh with any of the titles i read this week um i think yeah. superman year one uh kind of set the tone for me oh <laughs> that's so unfortunate do you want to talk about any of the books that you did read or do you want me to go through a list and we can just talk about the ones that you jumped in on? I'm good. Let's uh, let's go to yours. Okay. So <laughs> I read uh, I read a few different books this week. Um, I'll just go down a quick rundown of some of the books that I read. Uh, I read Guardians of the Galaxy number six by Donnie Cates and Jeff Shaw. Um, this was the uh, conclusion to the initial storyline that was kicking off with um, the resurrection of Thanos and kind of what was going on with him. Um, this has Gamora doing what Gamora does best and kind of, you know, stepping over the line that nobody else is willing to step over the line at that time. Um, so it's really interesting there. Some interesting things went on with uh, the Cosmic Ghost Rider, which I think are going to be coming to fruition, I think, later on in some Avengers stories. Um, so, spoil it for us here, Scott. So let's uh, let's keep our eyes open for that one. The Basically, uh, Cosmic Ghost Rider gets... Um, disintegrated and ends up in hell where Johnny Blaze is and who ah. asks him if he wants to go on a race. So we'll see kind of, and it kind of says this is to follow up in uh, one of the more recent Avengers stories that's going to be coming. Yeah, so. Avengers number 24, I believe has solicited the cosmic ghost rider being dispatched by Johnny yeah. Blaze, King of hell. Uh, yeah. To... So it'll be probably, I think it's going to be in the, the issues following uh, war of the realms once it wraps up. Yeah. Um, I read uh, Batman number 73 by Tom King and Mikhail Janin, which I I'm also read. Confused as all hell as to the time jumps and the like what's going on in the story. I guess when Bane breaks your back, your dad can just easily pop it back in place. A bit Scott, like a... he is master surgeon Thomas Wayne. Yeah. 20 years after practicing medicine in an alternate reality where it was basically war all the time. And all he did was run a casino and was dressed like a bat. Um, 
I have so many issues. I am with so glad this that issue. his master plan is is to bring. They had a Martha moment uh, in yeah. this one. This is so. so Thomas Wayne of an alternate reality has a plan to resurrect Martha Wayne from the new 52 rebirth reality. There's not even going to be a body there. She, well, yeah, she's it, been it, in it the ground be, that be long at this point. And on top of that, <laughs> how many times has the, has her, has her grave been dug up? <laughs> <laughs> and on top of that, his wife, his Martha, his Martha Wayne became the was, fucking joker yeah so and was his arch nemesis to... until he had to, i think he had to kill her if i'm not mistaken yeah and so i'm like the, the woman he wants to bring back isn't even the woman that he knows really yeah no so there's a lot of questions on this one and i don't know oh is it issue 86 yet no yeah like it's it's gonna come hopefully it comes up fast because I know I'm hard on on Tom King and I'm harsh because I was actually one of his biggest supporters uh, earlier on in his run, but this like I just don't know what is going on. Like I I'm read not enjoying it. these issues and I just can't believe this is the core Batman title. Yeah, I'm um, not enjoying it right now. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm going to keep like, reading, I, but I'm I, not I'm on it. the stance that I, I'm going to check out Batman Catwoman because I've I've invested this far. I, I want to know how this all plays out where he was going. But like each issue that comes out, it's, it's making it harder to stay on that track. You can, you can go into the Batman Catwoman and, uh, story details. And I will just happily listen. Cause I'm not going to be reading. It. <laughs> I'll, I'll let you do the synopsis and I'll just listen in. Cause it's, that's not something I'm interested in at this stage. Uh, it's, I don't know. It's a hard one. It's a really hard one. I uh, want to be positive about it. I'm trying. Like, I don't like torturing myself this much. But, like... And it, the thing, it's bothering me because I like the Thomas Wayne Batman, but it being brought into, like... Well, it doesn't even talk about how he got there. We don't know how he's there after everything that happened in the button. That was the last time we saw him. Where I don't, the hell I don't, did he come from? I don't from? like that he's gone beyond Flashpoint. Like, I just... I don't like that he's there, and I don't like that Jarrell is back. These were two things that just don't need to exist. These are I, I, well, I have issues I, with, I, with both I wanna, of these. I want to. I can't wait for the the miniseries Fathers of the World Finest. Unbelievable. Or 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 World's Finest Senior. <laughs> the geriatric edition. <laughs> Thomas Wayne and Jor-El go on a mission to resurrect Jonathan Kent. <laughs> oh, man. Oh. So I also ended up reading uh, another one that you've been reading, okay. um, but I think you're a little bit behind on Daredevil number seven yes. by uh, Chip Zdarsky and Zdarsky, sorry, and Lalit Kumar Sharma. Um, I don't think I'm as big a Daredevil fan as I thought I was because I'm not really into what's going on with the character right now this is another one of those he's not going to be daredevil anymore um based on the events of what happened in the initial issues where he ended up killing somebody by accident um now whether he did or didn't actually kill that person i think is probably going to come out somewhere else in the story but at this point in time it appears as though he did um and in this issue we have the kingpin actually stepping down and retiring from crime. Um, Did so anyone that, tell Amazing Spider-Man or any of the other titles? Though? Well, he's stepping down as the head of crime. He's to focus on just being the mayor. And he will continue to make things um, run smoothly for any crime in the city. But he so then, himself will not so be then he, So then he's still committing crimes. <laughs> he has, he, he's obstructing justice. Yes, but, he, <laughs> but he's not running any of the crime organizations, I guess. Um, oh, so that's interesting and an interesting take on what Daredevil is doing with his powers since he's not running around in a costume. Um, he's spending some sleepless nights on the uh, 911 making phone calls to, to help people, which was interesting. Um, Tried picking up Miles Morales Spider-Man to kind of see what's going on in that book. Uh, Saladin Ahmed and Ron Akins and Javier Garon were the artists on that one. I'm 
I probably need to get caught up more on what exactly has been going on with the Miles Morales storylines at this point. Um, but basically it ends up with him getting kidnapped and um, some experiments are going to be getting um, conducted on him. There was a villain that showed up that was able to actually surprise him and suppress kind of looked like they were suppressing his spider sense. So they were actually able to get the jump on him. Um, and all of this is mixed in with his uncle being back. Uh, but his uncle is no longer the prowler who's, he's taking a step back from crime as well. Um, which we all know isn't going to last very, very long. Um, so again, that was an interesting book. I also picked up a book that I'd been reading. I think I had mentioned it on the podcast a few times. Uh, may have even been my pick of the week at one point, uh, Farmhand Number 9 by Rob Guillory. Um, I don't think so, actually. This is an interesting one where it, it's the basic premise is that there is a guy who is able to grow plants that are actually limbs. So there's like an eye patch, um, an eye flower patch kind of area where you can get your a replacement eye or hand trees um, or all these kind of things where people can get, if they're missing a limb, they can come and get kind of transplants that are done. Um, and, but inside there's kind of the sinister thing where there's somebody else who's controlling some of the plant life and anybody who's ended up having one of these transplants is actually getting turned into uh, a bit of a slave. Um, so it's kind of got, it's got this really cool horror aspect to it that I'm kind of enjoying. Um, so I, I, I recommend anybody who's really interested in that. And this is by the, the same guy that was doing, I believe the art, um, on chew. So if anybody was reading chew, then they, they would be interested in checking out farmhand. Um, this was, then I also read, I think another one that you read with justice league number mm-hmm. 26. This is continuing on the, every so many issues, every four issues or so we got a doom storyline. Um, and this was the uh, this was by James Tinney in the fourth and Javier Fernandez. And I'm not really sure where this part of the story is going. Had a big focus on what Martian Manhunter was up to and why he's not being involved in the team. And it ends with Lionel Luther coming back and seemingly being full of his memories and, and attacking John Jones. So I'm getting a little nervous for Year of the Villain. I'm kind of getting like drowned Earth feelings, like about this particular arc of Justice League. So I'm like, I don't know. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a bad issue, um, but it wasn't. It, it, it's hard to come from kind of the the bombastic heavy action that they had in the last few issues with the sixth dimension and everything like that and then being dropped into a heavy you know um catch-up issue of this is everything that's been on the go go uh, on the go uh there's some problems with starman where his power seemed to be out of whack and he's potentially dying um, the villains basically convinced everybody or are in the process of convincing everybody to be self-centered and look out for themselves. Um, and the Justice League has gone to the multiverse to try and find other heroes and kind of get their help in, I guess, solidifying the idea of what heroes are and the benefits of the heroes and, and everything <laughs> like that. I know um, what they need to do. <laughs> They need what? to go back to the pre-New 52 continuity. Go to that Earth. That might be what they're actually getting to. I like that there were some um, some of the multiverses hinting at those stories. Like yeah. you had the Flash from the Kingdom Come storyline. Um, oh, Wally. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, it's a sad day. But um, this is all around the Justice League trying to find both of the monitors. So hopefully this does lead into a gigantic crisis that resets some kind of continuity, but we'll wait and see how that one goes. Obviously we mentioned Superman year one. Uh, we did a lot of talking on that. I don't want to talk about that one any further other than to say it is not my pick of the week. Um, my actual pick of the week is to no one's surprise who's been following us is actually Gideon falls. Number 14 uh, by Jeff Lemire and Andrea Sorrentino. This continues the horror roller coaster ride of 
what the black barn is and um, what is really on the go and who it was that sent the the previous um, pastors to Gideon Falls and who is the bishop and kind of his storyline um, and, and kind of takes us down that road. So by all means, uh, check that one out. It continues to be a fantastic book. Uh, the art alone is just absolutely stellar. Um, it is one of my favorite books to be reading and it is consistently of, of, a, of a really good quality. Um, so I highly recommend Gideon Falls. I don't think, and I can't get into it too much cause I know you're not reading it or you're not caught up on it. So, um, there won't be a lot to talk about and there's, there's not, there's a lot of things that I don't want to be spoiling for you, but needless to say, this has got gonna... a real, real horror sliders kind of feel to it with, um, hints of kind of what, what, what happens in the, the black science kind of storyline where people are jumping all through time, mm-hmm. um, being chased by this, this evil menace that is the, the black barn. It's got, it's got some real strong feelings of twin peaks behind it. Um, and that's kind of what I'll say. So don't let that, don't let that put anybody off. If you, if you've watched at least season one and two of twin peaks, then you know that there's some really interesting story there. Um, but it's got that seriously heavy vibe to it. You should check it out. Sounds intriguing. Yeah, I really wish you'd get caught up on it. That way we could talk about it more. <laughs> I will strive to get caught up by the next release. Okay, sounds good. All right. All right, so that's your pick of the week. What would yep. you give it as a rating? I would give it... Um, I'd give it a four and a half out of five. There you have it. Four and a half out of five for Gideon Falls number 14. Yes, number 14. Definitely okay. something you should be reading. Okay. All right. So uh, if you agree or disagree with us, you can send us a comment at terminalvelocitypodcast at gmail.com or leave a rating and review on your podcatcher of choice. It's a great way to interact with us as well. You can also follow us at Comics Terminal on Twitter and Terminal Velocity Comic Book Podcast uh, on the other social media outlets. Uh, certainly give us a, drop us a line. Let us know what you think. All right. Sounds good. Until uh, probably later this week when we do another Terminal Velocity Limited. Um, We will talk to you later. Take care.